Hello, welcome to Jesus TV, another episode of Jesus in this mess. This mess being our lives. What a mess. We live in messy times, end of days. But here's the thing, we can find sanctuary if we're willing to carve it out. And so this is our little sanctuary, three of us carving out a fortification is what I call it. Fortify yourself in the love of Jesus Christ. Build little uh, like blanket forts, um, either literally, um, you can use your blanket when you wake up in the morning. That's good. Uh, Emily just told us that she kind of did that, hung out with Jesus or a Jesus approximation, her thoughts. Uh, so that was before I started um, rolling the tape. So you didn't hear that. Jonathan is going to um, share us a poem um, as we get a, ourselves under this blanket fort for, oh, looks like we've got about <clears throat> well, maybe an hour or, or 45 minutes, something like that. We'll see how it goes, see where people are. And uh, Jonathan, uh, the stage is yours. You got to turn on your mic. You got it. So I'll, I'll mute mine and we'll be back. Right. I got a fly that's getting at me. Sorry. All right. So last time we said we'd start with this poem. And here it is. It's called Infallible. Though we may not see eye to eye, I'm able to overlook our differences in almost everything except for the doctrine of infallibility. It is the one thing that truly rankles me. One says that their pope is infallible, and another their prophet, and another their book, and another their interpretation of the book. And that's fine as far as it goes, and it's almost true on certain days, and in certain ways when the wind blows just right. But then again, it's not. It's too lofty, too high. And if even God, while veiled in flesh, refused to be called good, how dare, how do we dare do any different? That's it. All right, I like it. Now explain it. Um, maybe you can um, explain what you see in it, Jonathan, as the receiver from Jesus of that poem. Um, I'll do it as I'm driving, if that's okay. Sure. I'm just getting back to the road. Yep. Um, let me know if the, the road noise is too much and I'll pull over. So, um, all right. So it came out of a moment of, um, I don't know if I want to even say frustration, just mostly just like thinking through, it's like, why do I find myself in the position I'm in and, and in the position I'm in with regards to, um, with regards to, um, religion mainly, um, but also, um, also, uh, what do you call it? Oh, politics and anything of that kind of um, du duality nature, <laughs> um, and I and it, what it really came down to, I realized, was that it was the fact that in all these places that I go and these institutions, 
it's like i don't mind if you know if they're not totally right um that's okay with me because i'm not totally right like i don't see everything totally right and um and most individuals i talk to don't see things totally right you know it's like we may get doctrines wrong we may make mistakes you know we we for sure only have two eyes and one brain so we're going to be getting it wrong at least part of the time but um but it's this idea of um it's this idea that um that puts for th this idea of infallibility and i've realized i've seen it um in many different places it's like um and this is this is interesting because it goes to something greg was talking about that he felt impressed to say in his in his podcast a while back or in his youtube channel um he, he felt to pull out the dnc 129 which for people who aren't mormon they won't know what that is but it's this this revelation um in the mormon it's, and, and it's 130 i was misquoting dnc oh, 130 okay. yep 130 so dnc 130 where it says um the one true church upon the earth and um and so it it it, it goes toward that it's like um i uh i've heard people quote that a whole lot like there was a while back i attended the the um the lds church for a little while and um and i realized like I didn't mind most of the things I heard. I really enjoyed much of what I heard, but it was in the moments where there was a, a kind of like a blanket insistence um, that that we're we're right, <laughs> you know, and that we're the only ones that are right. And that was the one part that it was like, you know, I'd be listening, enjoying it, and then it'd be like, ah, oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'd be listening a little while, a little while later, it'd be like, oh, God, yeah, you know, and it's the same way if you go other places, like, you know, if I, I recently listened to, uh, or I watched a movie that was a Catholic movie, and, and um, the one priest was saying to the other priest, well, you know, it's, it's um, uh, something about the one true church. And it was like, oh goodness, they have the same phrase. <laughs> and I thought that's interesting. So then I got thinking about my evangelical friends, you know, and they don't say they're the one true church because they're more kind of loose in their, um, in their, they're not all on, on, under one structure like the Mormons and the Catholics, but the evangelicals, um, what, what, what they'll often say, and I'll probably make a lot of enemies as I say this, but they'll say the one true book. Um, you know, which is the Bible and, and you can't have a discussion unless you can back it up with the Bible. And, um, and what I, what I've discovered strangely with that is like, I've had a, a couple of real close friends who are evangelicals. And what I discovered is that oftentimes there would be things that they believed, which were not in the Bible. There were interpretations, things they'd read, but what they believed that it meant. And I remember I had a discussion with one of these fellows recently and and um, I think we were talking about, um, uh, it was a particular doctrine, an idea. And, um, and he said to me, well, you know, from what I understand that, you know, everybody who commits this one particular 
sin, like there can't be any salvation for them after this life. And um, I said, you know, that's interesting because in my upbringing, I was actually kind of led to believe the same thing. I said, but I've actually looked, looked for it in the Bible and I can't find that anywhere. And he kind of got um, kind of defensive uh, a little bit. He, and I'm not one usually to make the other people feel defensive. I tend to be more of a chameleon. I kind of go with what they think. But, you know, uh, but he was like, well, you know, I it may not be in the Bible, but that's what my preachers have always told me. And I don't want... I don't want to um, I don't want to get to the other side and find out that I was wrong, that they were wrong. And I thought, wow, that's so interesting. So there's also a kind of infallibility. So so even within um, that framework, even though there's not one person at the head that they're kind of looking at, it's like they they have, they have a book or an interpretation of the book and these fathers of their faith, you know, really the fathers of the Reformation, um, who influenced the way that they think about the Bible. And they, they're in many ways, I, I realize, I realize I've had conversations that it's like, there's very much a view that that view is right and that there it, it's infallible. And, um, and so it was like, it was like, I was trying to grapple with myself, like, well, why, you know, do I really have major problems with these different, you know, frameworks? And I realized I didn't really, I like, they can believe that, you know, that God lives on the sun and that we should worship that. And they could believe that, you know, like, like, um, I don't know, some crazy thing that, you know, as long as it's not harmful to others, it's like, I'd be like, you know. Like, well, and I would listen respectfully with the idea that they might have something that's right about it. See, so I can accept like almost everything, but I realize like the one place where it's like, I just can't see it is this idea that we must be right because it's us. This is what I believe. And this is what I was taught. And this is what comes down from, you know, my leaders or whatever. So it has to be. Right. Or, or, you know, I'm a, I'm a member of the right organization. So therefore everything that comes from that organization must be infallible. There can't be anything wrong with it. And I realize it's like, that's, uh, and I'll, I'll finish up with this. It's like, that's the conversation stopper. It's like, that's the thing that stops us all from growing and learning is that it's like, we, that's the moment that you can't listen to somebody else anymore is when you believe that, that, Everything that comes from your organization, your prophet, your pope, your book has to be right in the way that you see it. It's infallible. And so therefore, you know, um, yeah, it's like that's the one thing that I so I, I'm, I'm rambling, but that's where it came out of. And you guys, I'm sure, have some thoughts about that. Um, but that's where it came from. So I'll turn it back and put myself on mute. Hey, Emily, go ahead. So I definitely have some thoughts on that. Um, I relate to it a lot. Um, and that's one of my problems with organizational religion, too, is this whole idea of infallibility, like saying that, um, 
Yeah, saying that something organization is always 100% correct. And uh, so that's something. So I wrote on the back of one of my paintings while you were talking, the whole concept of, is there one truth? And the more I've learned, the more I've started to feel like, what, like, so this has always been, I think I brought this up before, but this is a really interesting concept to me. It's the concept that in science, um, something can be true and then they can learn something new and then that becomes the new truth, right? Whereas in religion, it's like, no, you can't do that. And, and so my thought is, why can't religion be more like science? Which is maybe a, a, an abstract topic. But like, so in science, it's like you accept it as a truth. The atom is the smallest molecule. And that's taught forever. Or Pluto is a planet. And then like, and then that changes and some people get grumpy about it, but they just keep going. And they're like, well, there's still, there still are atoms, but there's something smaller, right? What's smaller than an atom? Quark? I don't know. I don't know science very well. Is that right? Yep. Yep. For, <laughs> quark or whatever. Photons. Yeah. So yeah, pro there's a lot of things smaller. And so one of my things I've been thinking about a lot is, is there a one true truth? I guess is what I would say. And my thought is more, what if like something I've thought is like, sometimes when I talk to people, I think, well, what is my truth for now? <laughs> it's like, so what I feel is true, what I believe is true changes. It doesn't change, but it does change. It just gets deeper. It gets, oh, there's something more than just an atom. There's something more than this. And so I like the idea that um, I, I feel like organizations are a great way to get you started on your path to God. However, I think that the idea that infallibility, I, I don't like it either. I hate it, actually. I think it kind of just makes people get stuck. And I think infallibility makes people be like, well, this is what they said. So this is how it is. Therefore, I need to learn it on my own. And I think it kind of creates, I don't know if this is the right term, but lazy religious learning, I guess I would say. Well, like it's it was so much easier when I did believe that an organization was infallible, it was so much easier to be like, well, they said this and that's what it is, case closed. Um, but when you start questioning everything, it, it opens up this whole new realm of what if what they said wasn't the end? Or what if it was totally way off? Or why? Or otherwise, like, why would some things be true for different parts of time, like different beliefs? I mean, you could also go into like racial things and political things. like. It seems to be like with society, there's different truths, and then those truths evolve, like science. Those are my thoughts. Good thoughts. Jonathan, anything you want to respond there before I share anything? Don't hear you. You got to. Did gotta... you ask if I had anything else? Yes. Okay. Um, the only thing is that as you make your comments, Greg, I don't know if there's a mic on that cord, but if you can kind of hold it up. I can hear her real well, but I can't hear you very well. Okay. Um, I'll get out of closer. the car and problem, but okay. thank you. Yep. Thanks. All, all right. So um, without reference to what this upcoming episode is just what Jesus puts in my heart, but I think it probably was um, in reference to this episode. He, he knows what's coming in the future. Uh, he put in my heart, this is on Wednesday to, to Facebook. And I put this, um, I believe the church is true, the parts that are true, that is. And the biggest part of the church that is true for me is Jesus. Jesus is true. And how big of a part of the church is Jesus in proportion to the rest of the church? Look at your pinky. 
Now look at the rest of your body and not your pinky. Jesus is the rest of your body. The rest of the true church, all of the rest of its true parts, is your pinky. Your pinky is nice, but the rest of your body is nicer because it is Jesus in this tale. This is a lesson from Jesus' kindergarten, which is where I'm at right now. It's time for dinner, and Jesus says we can watch The Chosen tonight and eat popcorn. So I'm going to say goodbye to you now, Facebook people who are my friends. I love being childlike and childish. Thank you, Jesus, who speaks in parables. Now look at your pinky again. Your pinky is true. Your body is true. Love your pinky. Love the rest of your body. They can work together. The other stuff that is not your body, not your pinky, is not true. Keep that in mind. Now go to recess. And so um, combined in, in uh, that thingy that I just um, read you is um, my childlike, childish understanding, like, I'm not afraid of the truth. Oh, good. <laughs> but I not sure what the truth is um so i just need to find out and like well can you tell me something um in the church that's true yeah it's jesus okay what else is true like well that's the elephant in the room so yeah there's some mice i'll start telling you little little things like my pinky okay so book of mormon's true well hold it that's a big deal you're saying jesus is like your whole body and the Book of Mormons, a part of your pinky? I am saying that. That's correct. I may be wrong. What I'm teaching may not be true. Maybe there's a different proportion, but here's what's true, and it's my, um, it's my pinky. I think you can hashtag hear him. You can actually hear God, um, and that is related to the whole body, but um, who's going to save you? Not your pinky, not some truth. The Book of Mormon can become an idol, or you can read the Book of Mormon, be really familiar with it, and not do its principles. <laughs> it's a worthless document at that point. If you don't apply it, uh, same thing with, goes with the Bible. So I'm not even impressed by the truth. The truth is, is an obstacle unless it's lived, because otherwise you just got a bunch of stuff you're just attending to, like going and buying a bunch of stuff at the store you don't really use. But it's useful stuff. I should use it. Yeah, but you got it, and it's getting in your way. Um, so what are you saying, Greg? I should get rid of truth? Yeah, maybe put it on the shelf for a while, clear out, and say, okay, what truths am I going to live with? And so Jesus has resolved a lot of my energies around uh, institutional religion. I'm like, oh, that's his church. That's not my church, and he's going to do what he wants. Same thing with his children. Those aren't my children. Those are God's children. So you're not worried about your children? Oh, I worry about them all the time. But I take it to Jesus because I only have so much capacity. Same thing with my wife. So um, I'll just tie it back to the, the final thing, which was the kindergarten reference. So Jesus um, speaking to me the way he does uh, through his Holy Spirit, which gives impressions in the mind. So like when I paraphrase Jesus, it's like this is my best guess of what he was saying. But he needed me to be, I need you to literally be childlike, Greg, even to the point of being childish. So imagine yourself in kindergarten, okay? Use your sacred imagination. 
that's really where you are. That's where I want you. Remember what kindergarten was like? Yeah, I remember Mrs. Bovee. I remember life seemed pretty simple then. You just, you know, you had your little lunch, you show up and it's like you watch the teacher pour water and talk about water and then it's recess and then you're going to have nap time. Uh, yeah, that those were good times. Just seemed, seemed pretty safe, seemed pretty fun. Um, well, that's where I want you, Greg. And here's the deal. As regards knowledge, you are in kindergarten now. You are. You need to understand your knowledge will never rise above kindergarten. And here's the here's the other truth: you have never in your life met anyone who's in first grade or second grade or third grade. All mortals are in kindergarten now. Some are um, gifted and talent talented kindergartners. So those those might have they might be in a different class than you because they're like, I'm a, I'm a gifted and talented kindergartner. But all kindergartners are kind of relative idiots. Uh, they may um, uh, pretend or pretense um, as though they have great knowledge and they're just dispensing upon you. But if you just watch through history, you go like, oh, those guys were idiots. Well, they were doing the best they could. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's like they're a bunch of kindergartners telling us, do this, do that, and look where it took us. And so that um, often informs my mind whenever um, it's a parable, if you will, to inform my mind, how should I view this? Well, that person forgot they're in kindergarten. Maybe they didn't even know. They thought they're like in sixth grade. They know that Jesus like is in, you know, is a professor at a PhD level that like, no, they're, they're, and, uh, but they think they're in sixth grade. They're wrong. <laughs> That's what it's like. No, you're a complete idiot like me relative to Jesus. Um, in fact, I don't think even that distance is enough. Um, Jesus being a university professor, uh, skilled in, you know, all kinds of sciences, and we in kindergarten, I think there's even a bigger gap, but it's a, it's enough. You don't have to stretch the parable. You get it. There's like, then I'm, I'm not even capable of hardly doing anything without some guidance, uh, some teacher, right? And so then, of course, Jesus is in the kindergarten, and he's instructing us. Uh, and that's, that's, that's a parable that has made sense because I will literally at age 59 say, Jesus, can you hold my hand today? I need your help. <laughs> and, I, and I say it in a humble way, like I'm in kindergarten. Okay. I, I know this, that I don't know how to fix these things. I, do, um, I know you've told me what to do. I don't know how to get it done. And, and then I feel the calm assurance, just hold my hand. You'll be fine. And so then in kindergarten, that's what I'm learning to do. It's like, all right, I'll do it. And then I have to do, of course, what we would call in our society, adult things, <laughs> uh, go do this. Oh, I see. Yeah. So I'll get paid for that. Okay. And then go do this. Oh, so we'll have food. All right. Okay. I understand what you're saying. And, and I like it. I like, oh, my life just become a lot easier. Why? Because Jesus is bossing it. You, you have an invisible imaginary friend who is real, who is bossing your life. It's so cool. It's, yeah, I do. Uh, I believe. Well, you're risking your family's very lives and their well-being on this imaginary God. Yes, that is the risk. And guess what? It's turning out okay. <laughs> it's turning out better than it used to be. Anyhow, there you go. That's, that's the parable uh, and, and the post. The post was meant for me to declare to the world, yeah, I, 
I believe the church is true. The parts that are true, just like I believe science. I'll follow the science. I will. I'm going to follow the true parts of science. And that's um, what I just said. doesn't make a lot of people who maybe they don't like that language. It sounds like you're parsing when you say, I believe um, it, it, that this is the true church. The parts that are true anyways, that's the ones I believe in. Well, that's drawing attention to the fact that there may be things that we're saying are true that you don't think they're true. <laughs> you would be absolutely right. I mean, and I'm not smart enough to tell you doctrinally or whatever, which ones are false. I can't just go around and say, okay, get rid of this. No, um, but do what you want because it's not my church. Uh, I'll help in the church. So I swing my arm and guide people in the beat of the music. That's my job. And um, I'll participate because that's where God calls me every Sunday. I got, you know, at uh, 11 o'clock today. Um, that's what I'll be heading for. Okay, back to you guys. Oh, Emily, tell us about your painting, uh, if you can. I, I, I saw you with your big blank slate. She started... So um, rubbing it, and, um, and it's for those uninitiated, she paints with her fingers. So that's what you get. Go ahead, Emily. Um, well, just since you were talking about kindergarten and playing, uh, when I do big things like this, it's a lot like playing. Like you see me going like this with my hands. I just put the paint wherever I want. Then I use the water and paper towels, and I make a big mess of it. Uh, one of my... Professors once said when you're doing art, like he's like, you do it and then you're like, oops, I spilled water on it. Now I've got to fix this problem. <laughs> so like I dumped some buckets of water on it. And then now what I'm doing is I'm putting like a like um mud on it, like paint spackle mud that you used to like fix your drywall. Uh so what I wanted is I have this this other stuff I did. This is all background. I'm gonna put some texture, I'm gonna put some of the stuff on here, and then I'm gonna I have a bunch of random old parts and things that I'll put in here to create like a texture and it'll dry and then I'll pull that off. So this is uh, one of the processes that I use uh, for my paintings. I do like a lot of other hands-on things, but when you were talking about kindergarten, it's a lot like that. I'm just playing. Um, and I was thinking about that idea of, you know, if we are all in kindergarten, uh, how does that relate to the idea of play? And so one of the reasons I do art like this is because it's play. It's it's fun, uh, you know, it's fun to just, like I'm just throwing like huge, I'm getting out tons of paint speckle stuff and I'm just splattering on here. Partly because if I smear it first, it's gonna get, my uh, my big bucket of mud's gonna get not perfect color anymore and I don't wanna tint it yellow because I actually do use it for my house. Um, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's just playing and that idea of just, I love that idea that we're in kindergarten and we're just learning. And again, if we think, I don't know, my brain is really stuck on the idea that religion should be more like science. I don't know why, but I just really love that because it's always so, uh, people always say like scientists can't be in religion. And it's funny because growing up when I was in first grade in the kindergarten, my teacher always said like, you would be a really good scientist. Um, like they thought I was going to go into science because I was just very, very factual. And I was very much like A plus B equals C. This is how it is. It follows the rules. It has different things that it does. And so, uh, uh, part, that's part of why me doing art like this is so weird. I'm such a logical person that um, when I do stuff like this, it makes me be 
not logical, but just be more open, maybe is a better term. Be open to that the idea that things change. You know, I can kind of think about when I do art, like religion. Um, when I used to do art, I had this plan and this clear vision of this is the way it goes. This is how everything is. And at the end, you get this, this end. You know what you're going to get at the end, at the beginning. However, now when I do stuff, I just play and I just kind of see what happens. Um, I have a vague idea of where I want to go or what I want to happen, uh, but it doesn't work out. A lot of this is like accidental art. Like I, there's a little bit of stuff that I do and I can kind of, you know, I can kind of spread this on and kind of control like vaguely where it goes, but a lot of it is not really controllable. Like it's slightly controlled. Um, so I, I want to read a poem since um, okay. Jonathan, Jonathan read one. This is one that Jesus wrote with Super Tramp. When I was young, it seemed that life was so wonderful, a miracle. Oh, it was beautiful, magical. And all the birds and the trees, well, they would be singing so happily, oh, joyfully, playfully watching me. But then they sent me away to teach me how to be sensible, logical, oh, responsible, practical. Then they showed me a world where I could be so dependable, oh, clinical, oh, intellectual, cynical. There are times when all the world's asleep. The questions run too deep for such a simple man. Won't you please, please tell me what we've learned. I know it sounds absurd. Please tell me who I am. I said, now watch what you say. They'll be calling you a radical, a liberal, oh, a fanatical criminal. Oh, won't you sign up your name? We'd like, like to feel you're acceptable, respectable, oh, presentable, a vegetable. Oh, take, take, take it, yeah. But at night, when all the world's asleep, the questions run so deep for such a simple man. Won't you please, oh, please, tell me what we've learned. Can you hear me? I know it sounds absurd. Oh, won't you tell me, please tell me who I am, who I am, who I am. Uh, there's the super tramp called the logical song is your, your, um, your words, Emily, made me think of that. You know, I was trying to remember the tune of that song as you sing it. And I've never actually, I did like, I didn't know that the lyrics said all of that. Like I, I didn't, I didn't realize it was so deep. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just, I'm just like singing the chorus and stuff. You know what I didn't. I didn't realize there was this whole other. That's right. Wow. <laughs> yep. That's that. But that, that song's always appealed to me because that that tug, um, you know, of, of science. Uh, I, I, I want to be practical. I want to be logical, and and yet there's another part of me um, that life was a miracle, is wonderful, is magical, is like surprising, and those are um, opposite kind of poles, and they must be in kind of a conversation um and so um there's and and how that conversation goes is kind of what you're doing with your painting is um emily could go just wild where it's just total chaos and we go like i don't i don't see what she's doing and and there'd be no order no and and but she may be having fun like well, i'm just i'm rolling around in the mud now and you know, and it'd just be like chaos. But there's another tug that's like, no, let me make something of this. And so that's always in play. Um, and it is 
even in children's play, they'll have conversations about how loose to be. No, I, this is the goal line. We decided that the fence pole is the goal line. So there's these formal conversations they have uh, as kids to put rules around it. Now let's just play. Quit it. Okay, it's the fence post. Fine, let's go. I want to just have fun. I want to quit talking about rules. Well, I think we should have rules. Every time we should have rules. And so kids get to pull one another towards uh, informality and formality. And, and so um, Jonathan's poem talking about infallibility, uh, it's kind of like gets at the core of the matter is, um, is there somebody, an adult in the room, please, who will tell exactly what we should do? Well, those are devilish words. When you say exactly, uh, what kind of camp is this? I don't want to be part of exactly. Okay. Can somebody tell us the principles? Oh, I like that. That's sounding better. And we govern ourselves. Well, that's kind of dangerous. I don't know if we should teach you create principles, then let you govern yourself because maybe you won't do the right thing. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Let me do the wrong thing for a while. Can you please? Uh, it's like, no, because then other people want to do the wrong thing. We need you to be. And so then the song, we need you to be practical dependable there's you have children who are looking to you to be an adult and so anyways my words are to highlight these things that are intention and must be um but we want to resolve it just like i'm just so tired i just want my life to be plain and simple and it can become that so in the words of barry manilow um oh come on and i saw you jonathan so i'll go to you next uh uh let's see uh Oh, go Take ahead, Dana. No, you, you you go ahead. I'll remember the Barry Manilow song. Uh, oh, you remind me I live in a shell, safe from the past. I'm doing okay, but not very well. No jolts, no surprises, no crisis arises. My life goes along as it should. It's all very nice, but not very good. So that's the favorite line I have of Barry Manilow. I don't listen to a lot of Barry Manilow, but that has stayed with me throughout my entire life because of my fear of having a boring life, which is my biggest fear. It's like, oh, you could totally get in a rut like that. And that's really what formal operations do. And people who take infallibility or um, follow the science too far, okay? Let's just follow the science that's true. What do you mean? No, let's just follow the science. No, let's follow the science is true. Well, how are we supposed to know? Right. Yeah, let's start. And so anyways, that conversation, uh, people want to shut it down who say, I need it to be infallible. Okay. Shut up, Greg, with your those parts that are true. Okay, go ahead, Jonathan. All right. So, um, yeah, I kind of like the way things have gone, um, the direction of the conversation. Um, and I, I, uh, I love it so much that we can talk about it. It's like, it's, um, and I love that there's the three of us from coming from three different angles at this same question and, um, and all of us in different positions and yet able to talk about it. And this is the very thing, the very thing that I long for. Does that make sense? It's like, and this is the very reason that I struggle it's like the truth is, is I actually feel an affinity for um, the church which I was raised in, um, perhaps more than any other 
church, really. Um, and for the principles and the truths that I found there and that I, I still espouse. Um, and it's like, and I just love these conversations. It's like, I love to talk about these things and look at it. And, and with the, with the attitude always of like, well, I might, I might be totally wrong in my view that, like, you know, here's my thoughts and what do you think? And I, I have the feeling that it's like, everything's in flux, right? It's like, it's like everything has these two sides, like you were talking about, Greg, where it's like um, there's that there's structure and rigidity. I wrote another poem. I don't know if it's come out on my podcast yet, but I wrote it. Um, it'll be coming out in the next 30 days, probably if it hasn't yet. But talking about how it's like without some sort of a structure, you don't even have an institution. You don't even have a church, you know, and the, the churches with the with the most um kind of freedom where they say well anything goes it doesn't matter you know it's like they soon kind of dissolve because that's how you identify those who are members of the organization is that we all espouse these certain core truths or these certain core ideas and um and so it's um it's an, it's an interplay. What I kind of wonder, and, see, and here's the thing that I, that I realized with it, I think, is that it's like, we are influenced by the unseen realm, okay? And there's a reason why people like to have a very rigid structure. And that is, and when I say a rigid structure, I mean a rigid set of beliefs and rules that they do not vary from. And the reason is because when you start being open to the unseen realm having an influence, well, there are many beings in the unseen realm. There is obviously God, you know, and then there's also um, a host of things that aren't God. <laughs> and so, you know, so you have to come at the idea of like, um, the word that comes to mind is revelation. You could also say intuition or inspiration. You kind of have to come at that very humbly, right? You have to come at it with the idea that it's like, I think that this is what God wants. Could be mistaken, but I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it 100% because it seems right. Always knowing that I may be mistaken. And I think what, what like we're talking about is there's a longing for um, some of these institutions to take that same attitude. You know, it's like, this is what we're going with is our, you know, from what we can tell us the best, but we are fallible. Let's see what happens. You know, this is our best guess at what we feel like God wants. Or you can even say, I'm sure if you know that that's what God wants, then you, you say it. But here's the fascinating thing too. It's like, so the next, the, my next little comment is going to assume that the those revelations we were talking about, um, that were given to Joseph Smith all that time ago. This is assuming that they were actually of God. I'm sure there's probably people listening who are like, oh no, <laughs> that can't be, <laughs> that can't be the case. You know, we're sure that Joseph was a, was a bad guy. Okay, and that's fine. But this next comment is assuming that it was correct, right? And the comment is that it's like, um, what I see within even the organization is, is change. So all of these, all of this rigid structure 
has to be balanced with a lot of these truths which are which call for um change like there was a comment joseph made um way back there where he said um a prophet is only a prophet when he's acting as such now it's fascinating to me you don't hear that quoted very often now right no yeah. it's like the prophet is he's the prophet you know 100% of the time, it's like he doesn't have bad mornings. He has no pizza revelations, you know, like bad right. pizza, you know, <laughs> or it's like there's none of that going on here, you know. But, you know, that's that's an interesting quote. So a prophet's only a prophet when he's acting as such, you know. And then I think about that quote. Um, that, so the, the revelation that you that you mentioned, I guess it's 130. He says, um, he says, the only true church upon the earth with which... The Lord is well pleased speaking to the church generally and not, not individually. Yeah. Am I getting that? Yeah, that's, yeah, I, so, I think that's right. Yeah. Close to that. So, so he, in, with that is an interesting thought. Okay. So there are individuals in the church with whom the, the Lord is not well pleased, right? Yep. Oh, so that means that, there is fallibility within the church, right? Yep. And then we can, yes, there's fallibility within the church, but not within the leaders. But I don't even know. I'll save that for another time because it just, it that's goes back to the whole argument that doesn't make sense. It's like, you know, the leaders are made up of individuals who eventually become leaders. You know, it just doesn't make sense that they would become infallible. But so the point being though, is here's what I wonder. I wonder if the way in which an organization is true, you know, what did Christ say? Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? So, so who's the truth? Christ is the truth. And in this instance, Christ is actually talking to the church. So there's an actual interaction in which Christ is putting out his view of things. Okay, so I, I what I kind of wonder is if, if if we we are true or an organization is true to the degree that it is hearing Christ and to the degree that it is not hearing Christ in those areas where it's mistaken, then it's not of Christ. And there could be a sense in which Christ looks at an organization, or let's just call it like a person. He looks at a person um, and says, well, you know, this man, this woman is true. And he may be speaking of something of like the heart of the person, right? Like, yeah, yeah, they, they got things wrong. They're doing this wrong and that wrong. But, you know, that's in my eyes that they are right because their intent is right and you have to be really careful not to start to um to think to yourself yeah to extrapolate that that means that they're doing everything right right that's right it's yep. like, like there may be a good intent here and that i can follow it that far wherein it's like but then you have to give grace and what do you have to say if that's the case with the Mormon church, with the LDS church, you know, 
then is it possible that wherein some other church, some other organization is in tune with the spirit of Christ and their heart and their intent is right, that therein they are true, that they have a truth, which is an inward truth. Now, who's to say they are? Because there's corruption. And it's like, it's like we could talk about corruption another time, but you know, it's like there's, whenever you have an organization, you'll have individuals within the organization who aspire to positions of authority and they work within that organization so hard and they look so righteous that they rise among the ranks. And, and it's, it's the bane of all, all good things. It's like, it's like it's the reason why you have corrupt politicians. It's the reason why, you know, the counselors to the king, he can't really trust. It's because all the men who got there, they, they lusted after that power. And, um, and you say, oh, yeah, but not in our organization. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't count on it. <laughs> That's correct. That is not the pattern of the scriptures. David of old no. would say that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, it's like this, just this, I'll hand it back to you, Greg, just that, that idea that it's like, it's like, I'm okay with saying, okay, this is true. I know it's true, but in the spirit of, it's like, I, I love it when someone's like, it, when they make a bold and brash statement like that, but that when they know what they're talking about, like when you described what you meant, I was like, oh, that's so perfect. It's like, Greg isn't just saying, oh, this is the one true thing. It's like, he's saying, this is exactly what I mean. And this is what I think about it. It's the, it's kind of the mindless, like, well, it's true because I was told it was true and it can't not be true because, well, what would, you know, like my life would fall apart. Like, how would I, you know, then where am I, if it's not true, it's like, it's not in that spirit. You know, it's like, it's like, I love it that you looked at it and you're like, well, where isn't it? Is it true? And it's like, well, it's like 99% true. And what's the 99% that I know, no, no is true? Jesus. <laughs> yep, that's right. The rest, it's like the rest. Yeah, I think that's true too. These other items, I think they're all true. But, you know, it's like, I also, so I'm, I'm handing it back, but it's, I, I've, I don't know that I've given a real good answer, but those are the things that go through my mind when I think about it. So oh, That's good. Emily, it's, it's your turn to explain your art and make any comments. Uh, it's cool. I, wow, what's she doing? It makes me want to do yeah. it. Yeah. So um, I'll try to talk about both as I do it. So I have a big bucket of gears here um, that I've collected gears. And my goal is to use everything in this bucket on this painting. <laughs> I don't really have a rhyme of reason. I've actually really been tempted to just dump the whole bucket on here and just kind of smear it out. Uh, but if I do that, then I won't see the gear texture. So I've been like really torn, but maybe I will. Maybe that's one of those things I need to let go of. Um, but kind of you guys are talking, one of the directions that my thoughts go to are, well, what about the people that are not Christian and, and don't believe in Jesus? Like there's, so I have friends and people that I love that were Christian and then no longer are and now go to other things. But I have a hard time even arguing with their truth. For example, with some of them, I have seen them become so much happier as people. They're not shamed everywhere they go, but they're also very accepting of other people. Like they're like, that's great. Like we can talk about these Jesus episodes. I talk with them about the stuff that we do here and they're like, great. And they're like, that is so cool. Even if they don't believe it. 
And so I think the hard thing I have is that, um, you know, why is it when we, when we have ourselves feel like something through, it's hard, like, I would like to be more accepting. And I feel like I'm getting a lot more accepting of others and their truths. Like, what is the truth for them? Like, uh, well, some of my friends from addiction recovery, we call them like personal commands. You have certain things in your life that you have to do. So like mine is thou shalt not take a cell phone to bed because I can't handle it, right? And so everyone has their different things. Or like, so from my friends, there's some podcasts that you listen to. One that I actually really love, it's called Secular Buddhism. It's just some great healthy life skills about healthy ways to look at life. You know, talking about, I love Buddhism actually, but like there are so many truths everywhere, I guess is what I'm saying. And so I really do think it's a lot um, or I think like back to kindergarten, you learn something and you think that is the way of the world and you think you know everything. But as you get older, you learn there's more to that scientific story or there's more to that history or there's more like you're just trying to learn the basic letters. But what you can make and, and read with those letters changes, changes a lot. And I guess I'm just I'm just trying to say I wish that religion could be more open. I wish that a lot of these organizations didn't I, I really what I would love is if they were like sometimes I've heard them say like you know we as people are infallible but then they don't actually live like that like they say that but they don't like live it but they still live and like the things that I see published about them is still like they're not felt like they are infallible so it's like they're giving like a token I'm infallible but they're not really like I don't know, does, that, does that make sense yep I, I don't know and that's yeah. some kind of a newer thing. Go ahead. You know, John. and it's like you said. Uh, sorry, go. Yeah, go for it. I just want to inject a uh, clarification so that it's, it's clear. I, I know things too. Um, but as far as um, when I say the spirit of Christ, um, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of truth. And now I have a very confirm, firm conviction that, 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 those, that, that the spirit of truth is the spirit. Christ that I could go into to the details of my thoughts about Christ, but what what I've come to is that um, I really get the feeling like Christ doesn't get too caught up about his name. It's like he wants us to worship in spirit and in truth. And so it's like every time you find truth found Christ, um, if it's really true. And so there's this, that's what I was trying to say. It's like uh, even people who are not Christians they found a piece of the truth and that that truth is part of Christ. Um, and, and what I would say, if someone believes in Christ, I would say even though they don't know that it's a part of Christ and they don't accept Christ, but of course they'd be like, well, no, no, it's not really a part of Christ. And, and I'm actually fine with that. Um, and God could show me something different, but he'd have to be pretty convincing because I've become pretty convinced that it is within Christ. But but I feel no need to um, insist that they embrace what I calling the doctrine of Christ. So I just wanted to clarify that, that when I say, you know, um, uh, people I talk about, when I talk about people accepting um, the, the spirit of Christ, I mean the actual spirit of the thing, and you can accept the spirit of the thing without even knowing it is accepting. It's just this truth you found that's that's opening up and causing your soul to blossom and to grow toward the truth, toward God. So I'll 
pass it back with that. Um, yeah, lots of good thoughts today. Go ahead, Go ahead sorry. Emily, I see your hand up. Go ahead. Yeah, um, so that's something I actually believe too, and I really like that you brought that up, Jonathan, and I forgot about that. But yeah, the spirit of Christ is in every man, right? And I do believe that, and that is that truth. I mean, otherwise, I don't think it, like you said, God may be called by different names, but everyone has that, the spirit of Christ or that thing inside of them that helps guide them to truth. And like I said, at times in their life, they're ready for different truths or maybe their, their whole life. And I like that. You know, I also love that we seek after every, you know, if this is a good thing and it's helping people, then I guess, why should I take that away? I guess that's what I'm saying. Or why can't good things come together and make a better truth? Like just because I like something from Buddhism doesn't mean I'm letting Jesus or just because someone doesn't believe in Jesus anymore or doesn't believe Jesus to be the Messiah. Does that mean they don't have the spirit of Christ then to help them make decisions, to help them find truths that work for them and their family? And I would say, I think they still do. And I think that we all have those times that if we seek for knowledge and wisdom within ourselves, there's, um, there's some different religious stuff that I've read. Um, like the lectures on, I think it's in the lectures on faith. But the whole idea is that, um, you know, all of us have that, that spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. But what if it's like that part of ourselves is actually like the mind of God is another term for it. Have we talked about the mind of God before? No, I don't think I don't? so. Okay. This is a really big idea that I have, but like, or that I've, I kind of developed with the, some others. But the whole idea is that we have the mind of God. Like we have that. So what if, you know, there's a part of ourselves, like for me, I call it my wise counselor part of myself, the wisdom part of myself, where it's like when you're writing poems or when I'm writing my journals and you have like that, that question and answer session with God, it's like, it's coming from within. It's not without. I, I, so it's like, if every person has that spirit of Christ, the mind of God within them, I mean, what if it's actually like part of your soul and part of your soul that comes from God has that knowledge. And then when you learn things, it's like those things resonate or they don't resonate. But I say, sometimes I think it depends on the timing. Like I've had things before where I'm like, a lot of it has to do with my openness. So for example, when you guys first contacted me, I almost backed out because I was like, these guys are crazy. Uh, <laughs> but I had to be open to this idea that maybe I'm, and I was like, does that mean I'm crazy too? And I had to be open to that idea that, that maybe I am. Um, but until I was open with it, it didn't like resonate with me. Does <laughs> that make sense? So I guess that's what I'm saying is we have that part of us that's truth. And, um, but I also love the idea, like Jonathan said, I feel like it's essential to have a framework. Like for example, in art, they call you have to know the rules before you can break them. I think you do have to have a framework. You have to have some kind of direction to go. And then from there that you'll start on a path and that path may change and meander. But hopefully that mind of God is bringing you back to, to Christ. That being said, I'm a hundred percent Christian. I, I just believe that everything, I just, I guess my path is not the same as everyone else's path, is what I'm trying, what I'm trying to be open to. We all have different paths. Yeah, that's, and learning to accept that, uh, that uh, is partly the maturity, I think, in Christ, because that's how he operates. He, he lets people gather as they want, uh, to a stunning degree. I'm because the more I believe in him, like, oh, you are the savior. You have power. I've seen it in my life. 
you can squash anybody you want. I mean, you can drown the whole world. You have this power. And that I've seen how he's um, enacted that power in my life, like the tribulations. I was talking with my wife um, last night as we came back from the Jesus Revolution movie. And I talked to her about how excited I am for the days of tribulation that are coming. Not because I'm excited about how much it's going to hurt to live through the greatest depression, not the great depression, but the greatest depression like Venezuela just had. Um, Not because I think that's great, but it's great in this sense. And it's, and it is great. It's overwhelmingly great because no other way that people will leave their normal lives and normal starting to hurt people big time, just living a normal U S antichrist, all was well in Zion. It's, it's hurting them so bad. And I believe their spirits are crying out to God, whether they like that or not. I think, because I agree with you, Emily, there's something inside of us that just like our fingers act independently of our thoughts. And my stomach right now is acting independent. If I had to stop and think about my stomach, hey, stomach, you need to start digesting the food from last night if I'm going to eat. If I had to have those conversations, I'd be like, oh, this life is untenable. I'm going to jump off a cliff. You have to work so hard at uh, at managing all these things you don't your your tummy talks with your brain all the time and, and it's weirdo language weirdo brain stomach language that i'll never my sentient being will never understand until i'm up in heaven i guess like oh that's how you guys talk or science can go ahead and probe that and tell us their theory about how the stomach can but i have i i'm learning to accept oh God is in this mess to, to coin a phrase that we've already coined with Jesus. Jesus is in this mess. And that's the mess he uses, which, you know, is calamity, cancer, uh, awkwardness, vulnerability, um, craziness. So Emily sees us like, that's funny, Emily, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's like, it is the pattern. Everybody who ever gets close to me, They'll have this story to tell. Jonathan has it. Aaron Smith has it. Anson. And these are crazy people. The more I get to them, I'm like, you're saying I'm crazy? But I totally get it because I watch other people like, that looks crazy. And what does that remind you of, Greg? Me. And like, but I'm getting more comfortable with it. Like, okay, yeah, they're just doing their thing. Um, so I like that that was part of your story. But back to, um, I got to get out of that rabbit hole. Um, uh, let's see. You were talking about, oh, the mind of Christ. Yeah. Uh, and me becoming more humble, like, oh, this ain't going to change. <laughs> this, this world ain't not going to change until people can't feed their families. Uh, like in Venezuela, you will start then paying attention to, because uh, you all, your hope in the world, here's the problem. Because your hope is in the world. It's in finite things. Okay, if I can just get more money, if I can just do this, if president, if, if the deep state will just be found, then we can get over this. Oh, my goodness. That's like trying to talk to your tummy or talk to your mind. It's just like impossible. There's too many complexities. So what you're saying, Greg, that we have to have a uh, kindergartner teacher who's like super smart, correct. The only way this thing's going to ever work and that's the conclusion I've come to. And then like, um, and, and so then, um, and this is back to your point and, and also Jonathan's. Well, what if some of the sheep, what if some of the kindergartners have decided that you're the universe? 
Should I go out and correct them and say, no, he's not the universe. His name is Jesus. <laughs> you can go ahead. Oh, Jesus, you'll let me do anything, won't you? Yeah, but no, I'm asking you, Jesus, what should I do? And he'll have me um, kind of let them do whatever they want. Like, um, I, I, hey, if the kindergarten teacher is okay with it, they're in recess and saying, Jesus is an alien. Jesus is an alien. Uh, you know, it's not my chant, but if that's what they want to do, yeah, he's he's from this Gia planet or whatever they've got going on. And like, okay, yeah, it's not my story, but it's interesting. Thank you. Um, I'll be instead going to Jesus is in this mess. We're going to talk about J-E-S-U-S. -S. That, that's what we call him over here. But if you call him, uh, my, my one friend, Luis Mi Miguel uh, Sampero over in Spain, Jesus introduced me to. Uh, oh, his Sophia, Sophia, I want to emphasize the feminine. And I'm like, hey, Jesus, look what they're, they're doing over there. Yep, I'm down with that. I'm like, okay, yeah, for how long? Well, that's a good question, Greg. Uh, just watch. So stand still. And so I, I, I stopped feeling like the hall monitor. So part of the thing is like, yeah, I'm not called as the hall monitor. So you guys can go wherever you want. I don't know. I, I have no idea what's going on. So can, I'm going to go in this classroom. Well, good for you. Is that what the teacher told you? No, we're just doing what we want. Oh, well, go ahead. See how that works for you. Because um, <laughs> I have to listen to the teacher. Because if I just do what you're doing, I've been down those roads. And it's just so frustrating. So you're listening to the kindergartner teacher? I am. I, and if she says it's nap time, I'm taking a nap. And uh I don't know if it's she or he, but I think I just call him he, and I just assume the Bible's right, so it's a he. But if you guys are into Sophia, go into Sophia class, yeah. Go do your, you know, rock out um, on, on that. And so I I, I guess to, to bring this to a conclusion, my thought anyways, is I'm not their savior, and I'm not, they're not my savior. Like, I, yeah, I'm not, I don't need you guys to be my savior. I've got this imaginary being who is real, who's my therapist, who's Jesus, he's the one I'm looking to um, for answers. Now, I might learn some stuff. He might use you guys to teach me some stuff. I'm trying to be open to that. But if, I, if I'm not learning the same stuff, then I'm just like, hey, teacher, I'm not getting this. And if I don't hear back, like, okay, that's normal. Sometimes you just have to go forward Take your nap time, go to recess, and later you go, oh, oh, that's what he was saying. And he's, then he smiles at you. Yeah. You, hear, you, you see what it is now? Oh, you're going to bring all these all guys, all these guys back together, all together in Christ, like Ephesians 1.10? Yeah. Are you really, though, Jesus? Because <laughs> I know it says that in the Bible. You're going to bring them all together, all these different people who have different names for you? Well, maybe I will. Okay, so but but you said you will, yeah, yep, that's good. Go with that, Greg. Like, okay, but you could be shining me. You could just be like, and and are you okay with that? Like, yeah, yeah let's let's just do it, because finally I just have to trust him. Like, okay, I trust him, uh, so um, I don't have to save anybody. <laughs> that's like, take up your cross and learn of me. And I'm like, oh, so save some people? No, no, no. You're not even going to save yourself. It's already done. You just need to do what you're told. And that's a sense of freedom. So the, what I've experienced, I will tell you, over the, as I've gotten trained deeper and deeper into that understanding, I don't feel responsible in a deep way for anybody. Not, not your salvations. Nobody at church. People are like, 
Well, how you talk on that, Jesus is in this mess. That could lead some people astray. Well, then they shouldn't listen to this. I hope they're listening to their their teacher because I don't want to lead anybody astray. But um, uh, if, if they turn, turn on Fox News, that could lead them astray. MSNBC, yeah, that could lead them astray. If they follow the science, that could lead them astray. So it's not like Greg made it made up this grand plan to lead people astray. Greg's in kindergarten. And, and here's the beautiful thing. I'll end with this. Um, I, uh, I was watching this friend who's now preaching uh, in the street like I've, I've been doing. And I don't know, she's taking my, her inspiration from me, but she's calling the world to repentance. You know, so she'll say preaching from the, uh, and I'm, I'm watching her and I'm going like, yeah, she looks like a freak, Jesus. She's like you, huh, Greg? I'm like, yeah. And, and are you, are you going to watch the rest of her? I'm not. Can you see that's what most people do? They just pass you by and it felt good, not bad. Like, oh, good. So they just look at that. So I've got family members and extended family members. And he, and he was just showing me, they don't watch you. Don't worry about what you say. And it's like ultimate freedom. Ooh, no one's watching. Yeah, because they're they're afraid of you. Uh, they're afraid to, to engage with that. And and it's it's so time consuming. You like your your examples go on and on and on. You'd have to be patient like Emily and Jonathan. Uh, no, thank you. Bye bye. And they're gone. And it, and it made me feel good because I'm like, oh, good. So I'm not hurting anybody. Anyway, there's my thought. Well, I gotta I gotta get going. Uh, but I have really enjoyed our conversation today about infallibility and the ideas of of truth and uh, kindergarten. Maybe we could. I don't know. We can call this one kinder kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, the truth about kindergarten. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Infallible kindergarten. Uh, kindergarten. Kindergarten is in. Yeah. Kindergarten is infallible. Kindergarten and <laughs> how about kindergarten level infallibility? No, the the the, right. in, the infall the infallibility of kindergartners. How about that? So it oh, implies that sounds good. the infallibility of kindergartners because <laughs> you're like they're not infallible. That's it. Go ahead. So fallibility. What's that? Shouldn't it be the fallibility? No. Um, it, 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 saying oh, they're infallible. Yeah, because everyone's a kindergartner. Yeah. And then they're saying I'm infallible, but yeah. they can't be infallible because they're in kindergarten. Yeah, it's satire. Right? It's satire, yeah, right? Satire. I like it. Go with yeah. that. All right, I'll go with that. Okay, you guys have a good Sabbath day with Jesus. Yeah, it's I can